1: Welcome to the Be Here Now Network Guest Podcast.
0: This series features talks from a myriad of modern spiritual teachers expanding on how we can all live a life in balance. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/guest.
1: Greetings everyone. I'm so happy to be here at Menla Mountain Retreat Center. And spa resort with my dear friend and esteemed colleague Nina Rao, who is a great musician and um, closely works with the great Krishna Das and um, also a great environmentalist, and has been working for decades to save the tiger and save the forest and uh, save you and me, as all things interconnected. So I wanted to, inter- to interview her for, my, for the podcast. I have no idea which podcast this is or what its title will be, but uh, Nina and the Tigers, maybe. <laughs> and, um, and also she wanted to interview me about that. So we're interviewing each other. Okay. Okay. Yes. So welcome Nina, thank you. So happy you. to have
2: you. I'm honored to be called a colleague because actually I'm not a colleague. Of course, you are. Just a your student. Are you kidding? I'm a student. Disciple. Yes.
1: I'm a student. Yeah. Listen, powerful women are have to speak up and be saved this world because uh, men are berserk and they're wrecking it. You know? So the women have to really step up. You know? but one
2: one of the things you said this morning which kind of stood out for me while we were having our sessions, at the end of the session, uh-huh. was you said that Mother Nature was going to come along and win the election. Yes. So that's a huge statement to make about everything that's going on. Yes. But I'm particularly interested from the standpoint of nature, yes. with the capital N, Yes, or even with the small n. Nature right. as we know it, as all the trees outside, yes. all the birds, animals, trees that live within it. And my work ha- has been in preserving s- wild tigers, particularly in India, uh-huh. because it is actually the last viable living wild population of tigers in the world. Of course. Which is such a strange thing, considering the more than billion people that live in this country whose yes. mouths have to be fed. Yes. But then you were talking about the majesty of India. And yes. to me, the one of the majesty, majestical things of India is that despite everything or because of everything, yes. India has still been able to preserve 3% of their land mass oh, good. for wilderness areas. Oh, good. Which started in the early days um with the princely states wanting yes. to preserve the land so that they could kill them. That's right. <laughs> they like to hunt. <laughs> Hunting them, right. And then the British came along and that continued, but right. the land remained because of that. That's
1: really good.
2: And then with the Wildlife Protection Act in 1972 or 73 in India, they were declared national forests. Wonderful. So nothing could be done. Yes. However, there were still indigenous people living in some of the areas yes. who now want to come out and live a modern life oh, and really? so forth.
1: Which is okay if they, they want to. do, really? None of them want to stay in the...
2: Not really, because they're actually quite poor. Yeah. You know, they don't really have the means to live the way... I
1: see. But there are the very still, Elwin sort of uh, yeah the tribes wonderful tribal descriptions he had right?
2: yes I know and that you know if we if they can maintain some of their traditions of their crafts and prayers right. and songs and so forth that's fine right. but they really can't live necessarily well right. in the forest so they might be le- relocated and given proper dwellings to live in and so forth right so one of the things that I've been doing is working with scientists in India uh-huh. who are documenting I see. Just how the wildlife move in oh, really? corridors, oh, um, how much prey there is in each of the uh-huh. areas to sustain a tiger, yes. which is at the top of the food chain. Yes. And then everything that's required to sustain this population yes. of wildlife, which essentially means our not disturbing it. Yeah, And what do we disturb and it not, for? Not,
1: not not lessening it
2: not encroaching, encroaching on it on either it. but the way india is the humans butt up right against the wildlife Do preserves they? not only in there's india there's no but
1: chance to increase the size but very difficult it's
2: hard to even just keep it as it is because oh, you have the villagers coming in to feed yeah. uh, bring their cattle into the forest yeah. and so forth so it's an issue yeah so one of the uh, Agencies that I work with, they actually help the farmers and who live around the forest to be compensated, for example, if their yes. cattle are taken by tigers, which yes. sometimes they'll come out when they feel pushed out. You know, there are all kinds of things that go on. So yes. that's what these uh, organizations are doing. And the scientists are following the movement of the animals, their uh-huh. health and so on. And I feel it's very important to have science-driven conservation, along yes. with lobbying. So yes. both.
1: They both right. have to happen at the right. same time. Do you know this guy Kadgo in Pune? Yeah. Do you know him? I
2: know his name, but
1: I don't oh. know him in
2: person. I yet. read an
1: article about him. Uh-huh. Was now when I was in Goa. Yes. And I was really impressed with him. Yes. What a wonderful person with the Western Ghats that he's... Exactly. Which have a name that he, he likes better than Western Ghats. I can't remember what. Mm. Vindya or something. V- Vindya Chan. Maybe, yeah, and okay. he thinks of it as a as a female, and it's like he mm-hmm. loves it, and he goes hiking in there all the time. He's yeah. an anthropologist, I think, uh, Cambridge educated, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and lives in Pune. Uh-huh, and yes. uh, I thought he might be one of the scientists. Yeah. if not, you should recruit him because he uh-huh. was complaining about the real estate interests in India. Yes, and he was trying to stop them, and he made big predictions. About a year or two ago or so, and they all ignored it and said he was too extreme. And then they had these terrible floods, and all those people died in yeah. Kerala and yes, so on. Yes. And we also heard floods further north. And then now they're listening to him or something mm-hmm. they were saying. In our, yes. I don't know if they really are. But.
2: It's difficult um, because the business interests, like here, same thing. Yes. You know, they have a lot of power. And I in know. a struggling country, as we know, know. India is, um, it's hard to put above the needs of human beings and what they need to consume yes. that we want to put aside this land, which we've done in this country. It's a miracle the amount of natural forest and yes. natural national parks that we have. Yes, thanks and, to
1: Teddy Roosevelt. See, those are real it? Republicans That's what, who yeah. made those. Yeah. So you see, these so-called Trump Republicans and even Reagan Republicans, they're not real Republicans. Mm-hmm. They're fake Republicans mm-hmm. because they have some demented notion of the you know, connected with a with a distorted interpretation of Christianity mm-hmm. where they think God is making a new world later and they can use up the old one uh-huh. and destroying. So they're actually radical and they're destructive and they don't conserve mm-hmm. like really good wealthy people have done in the past. Yes. So we, that's why we're not against wealthy people in trying to rebalance things. Yes. We're for the ones who are really serious about having a long-term committed to a long-term preservation of the wealth. Uh, Because Because it is real. It's not opposite human need. Human need is, you know, we have children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, they're going to need this. They're the stewards of We have the stewards for
2: them, them. and we're wrecking it, and that's no good. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because you're very interested in this topic, is global climate. Yes. And I've understood that you've done Al Gore's, Course, I did in and,
1: August. I gave up my 78th birthday, yeah, to go to Al Gore August 2 to 4 and receive his training, yes, Climate Reality Project Leadership Training. I had no idea it was called, I never had heard. I knew about Al Gore and I deeply admired him, Inconvenient Truth, Yes, but I didn't know his organization is called Climate Reality Project, which I love, Yes, because my whole thing about Buddhism, which of course I'm into, is that Buddhism is realism, actually. Mm -hmm. It's really what it is. It's not really some religion where by believing something you're going to be saved. It's by becoming more and more aware to what reality is and discovering it's actually good if you take care of it. Yeah. And it will take care of you because it's benevolent to you. Uh, and uh, and that's what, that's what it is. It's what Buddha means to wake up to reality, mm. basically. In other words, yeah. not wake up to some thing off-world, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, like go, to, go, to, go to heaven with God and sing in the choir. <laughs> right. That's not what it is. Yeah. It's beware that this reality is beautiful, exquisite, human-adaptable thing, and other animals as well. We are responsible for them, and uh, we should have to take care of it. I agree.
2: And one of the things I read a while ago was that the original structures of cathedrals, cathedrals, yes. actually come from the shape of the trees in the forest. Yeah, so really. That's where that. it came from. So I always find it interesting that we st- we have been disconnecting from nature yeah. so much over Terrible. time. And I think then that's why it's not considered wealth anymore. That's right. And to preserve it. Right. But for some of us who see the beauty in it, and also how it's carried in all the art and tradition and culture, you know, every description yes. of divine beings yes. is accompanied by, you know, natural um, flowers, trees. trees yes. Um, you know, when you read the Ramayana, they talk about how the rishis were practicing in the forest so much yes. that the very leaves of the trees would echo the sound
1: of the mantras they're well, chanting. Of course. You know, the trees are breathing back to us, yeah. the oxygen that we need, and then they're taking our carbon and yes. they're making green and beautiful things. Exactly, and it's a great symbiosis we have yes. and a loving relationship yes. with the plants, and they love us. In the medicine Buddha's world, yeah. you know, everything that grows and everything that lives and breathes is all interconnected in a positive way, right. if if yeah. governed by wisdom and knowledge, if like uh if if distorted by ignorance and greed and uh, and aggression then it doesn't work of course you know that's when we bring we can bring that our ignorance can bring that so
2: it's an imbalance
1: yes and we've now reached this mega point where in a way you know modern culture thinks industrialization is an unalloyed good mm-hmm. and it really makes us Separate, and it's called civilization and blah, blah, blah. And that's completely wrong, actually. Because what happened in the West, and to some extent also everywhere, and then since then everywhere in the world, is that what, what in ancient India were called the outer sciences, mm-hmm. how to manipulate the, the materials of the world, raced ahead of the inner sciences, and the inner world was thought to be just as a province of some kind of religion or something. Mm-hmm. And then even the, the materialist ideology came and crushed the inner world by saying there is no such thing. Mm-hmm. It's just the outer world not understood properly, mm-hmm. but, but in your brain, you know. It's just your brain. It's not your mind. It's yeah. not your soul. It's not your spirit. And so, so the industrialization has basically been the industrialization of ignorance, the industrialization of hatred, that's called modern industrial militarism, and the industrialization uh, of greed, and that's called consumerism and using of everything, using it all up. And now we see that that's destroying the world, actually. Right. And we're So it's not like people go, oh, we're... it's like the thing we had in the lumber industry in the West. The people who were lumbermen, they just wanted to cut it all down. Yeah. And then when you said, no, oh, well, we don't have jobs now. We don't have livelihood, and yeah. this is ruinous. But actually, the conservationists were keeping the tr- the wood there growing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it would go on in future generations. If they cut it all down, they still don't have jobs. Right. And uh, so um, I tried to get one environmentalist group that sues the companies to prevent them from cutting trees mm-hmm. and, it, and and are hated by the l- lumber industry. I tried to say, why couldn't they get together with the lumber industry Go to the high schools where the lumber people's children go to school Mm -hmm. and introduce and hire some Viennese and Italian fantastic furniture makers Mm -hmm. and have them have shops in the high schools of making beautiful, expensive, like Japanese, you know, like. European marvelous furniture to really add value because yeah. the trees that are cut are shipped off to China and Japan. Mm-hmm. And it uh, doesn't really help. It's just very short term. It's mm-hmm. very low price. Mm-hmm. It doesn't add value. And they wouldn't, they said, that's not our job. We can't do that. They wouldn't even consider that, even the, even the environmentalists. So.
2: I mean, there's two ways of looking about, cause we do need wood. Yeah, sure we are. need wood. Yeah. So we can always have plantations, Yes, but what I'm most interested in is actually the preservation of the ancient indigenous forests. Yes. Because the wisdom that lives in those forests, oh, sure. we can never recreate. Well, of course, of course. We can never recreate. Yes. And I feel that somehow that's
1: lost on... Somehow. It's, look at Bolsonaro in Brazil. Yeah. Today, he apparently, they're, being, they're already fed up with him in Brazil. Percentages yeah. are going way down. Yeah. But he rode in in a white horse and cavalry you know into the capital of Brasilia, and he's showing that he's going to crack down and be a fascist dictator he hopes he hopes so they have that now. we have someone who wants to be a dictator and he's yeah. he's aided and abetted by the by the wrong industries you know here in america yeah so there's a major thing has to go on on the planet, you know yeah. A major thing. So uh, do you connect with like Vandana Shiva and these kind of folks in India yeah. and uh, Arunati Roy and people like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. I mean you buddies with them? Yeah,
2: they're all a community and yeah, everybody's oh, working a different angle. Oh, good. My angle happens to be specifically preservation of the forest, because if yes. we don't even start there yes. by keeping what we have, yes. Then, what are the chances that we're going to be able to take strides in any other direction? Yes, because absolutely. from there goes, then we can talk about plantations. Yeah. Then we can talk so about. So, what
1: do you need to be able to succeed in that mission? What, we, do you, what, what do you lack, and what do you need? Well, firstly, of course, we're always trying to raise
2: funds to sustain the right? conservationists who are in the field. But mostly also. So, for example,
1: you need, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do with it? someone said, here's a billion dollars to preserve the Indian forest, uh, what would you do? A billion dollars is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, but, I would yeah, have yeah. to,
2: I mean, I would say, of course, that whatever means were required to sustain the people who live around the forests, who often don't have a lot of money or don't have means, they're the ones who get attracted okay, by... Okay, so
1: one thing you would do is you would, you would build up the livelihood... Of the humans of the who humans, live... So they would have and also create a ongoing income-producing livelihood Correct. for them, for, for them, who where they around. wouldn't have to go and predate in the forest yeah. to maintain their life,
2: Even not for their own selves? So that selves? would be,
1: you know, 20 million, 50 million, whatever many it would be. That right. would be one prong of your right. your wonderful, triumphant, you know. I like Durga, but she has many arms and many weapons. And she's on the tiger. Oh, you yeah. she rides the tiger. <laughs> yes, right. very good. Right. Durga. Yeah, that's her. So Durga Nina, that's you. Okay, so, so that one of your prongs is keeping the livelihood of the humans in close proximity to all of the major forests. Yes. Which you say is 3% of the land surface of, the, in of, India. The, of Mother India. Yeah. That's one of the prongs. Okay, what is the second prong? And you're educating people.
2: <coughs> educating. Be, so that okay. the minds change, because if that doesn't change, yes. then you're just hitting your head against the wall. Right. People have to understand the wealth that we have, because once it's lost, there's no way to get it back. So,
1: okay, prong number two: you need documentarians, you need artists. That's what our scientists do. uh, You need to buy time on television networks. Yes. You need to make films and documentaries and movies, so you'd have a you could, you know, you'd have like a Netflix for the forests. Sure. Or something in India, at, yes. least. at yes. least, if not internet. I mean, it exists in different ways, but you yes. Know, see, see, one of my crazy things that I like to do is people in our kind of role, one of the ways in which we are defeated by this industrial monster is that we're kind of made to feel that it's low priority. It's against jobs. It's against progress. Right. It's sort of backward. So we sort of think, even the idea when you first heard said billion dollars, oh, that's a lot of money. It's like, oh, well, no, oh you know never expected. It. Because it but gets misspent
2: is, in India. That's why I said no, but that. The, yeah, yeah, but the
1: point is yeah. that it's a priority, actually. Yeah. So, for example, to defend, like, people are dying by the hundreds of thousands of bad air mm-hmm. in these over industrialized, exactly. coal dust ridden cities and so forth. And, and that's costing huge thing. Mm-hmm. And so, in fact, a, a billion dollars spent explaining to people how there can be other ways of living, how the the forest is absorbing carbon, how we have to even expand and grow more and all this kind of thing. Uh, that is, in fact, saving money and their jobs yeah. doing that. And so money should be shifted. Heavy resources should be shifted like that. But also so now you have two weapons.
2: And the other thing I think also that's important is, and I don't know how it would work, somehow in helping people understand that we need to use alternate fuel, alternate fuel sources. Yes. That's a big part. Renewable fuels. Renewable fuels and keeping the waters clean because the waters that flow from up and down into the forest are often killing off a lot of the smaller species that live and are a support to the environment. Yes. And without oh, frogs, oh, the frogs are being killed yeah. madly uh, by
1: pollution and, and so forth.
2: Um, pesticides on crops are oh, killing all Monsanto. the insects. Yeah,
1: they ran away to Switzerland and Germany now. Yeah, Monsanto because they were being sued here rather heavily, and they are really monstrous. Yeah, the, the amount of tons of that crappy stuff they throw on the fields. Yeah, One, that's Vandana Shiva is trying to stop that yes, in the agriculture very, no. and no, she's she working is. very well. And I'm is. sure lots of other people. She is. okay. So, to your two weapons so far are uh, uh with your with you when Durga's properly worshipped with a billion dollars are making the livelihood of the actual neighbors of the forests doable without further destruction of the forest and second informing the general public uh, in every way you can think of artistic drama even you know making new what was it Satyajit Ray? He made those beautiful movies. Yeah. But, so some movies about the villagers and the tigers and stuff, some more nature films to show them uh, the value of that. And although then they say, oh, I don't want to be eaten by a tiger, and they get freaked. So it's to...
2: actually you have to go into the schools, which yes. is
1: what a lot of the, the scientists who okay, I work so with and his organization—
2: textbooks. Textbooks and just going and talking to them. They want to see. They want to feel. Okay. Take so them into the forest. Hundreds
1: of jobs for young students yeah. to learn, learn to, to evangelize yeah. the the nature yeah. and to do so in the Indian yeah. school system.
2: And there is even now universities. How many high
1: schools are there in India, totally? I have no idea. Well, that's the thing. we, yeah. we have to know. There, I yeah. know there is a figure of six hundred thousand villages. That sounds. Okay. Does each one? Ha- there is a figure that may yeah. not be up yeah. to date, but. Yeah. If there are six hundred, then there's at least 600,000 high schools. Maybe. Not necessarily
2: high schools, though. uh, Well, I see. You know what I mean? Like it goes up to maybe elementary school in some places. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. But, you know, see, a lot of it has to do, the industrialization went along, of course, with the colonial conquest. Mm -hmm. And the colonial mentality, even in Indian elites today, Is still acting like they don't live in India. And they're using up the resources of India the way they did. And then, for example, I know from a project I'm involved with by some Norwegians Mm -hmm. in in cooperation with Tatas and other people in Mumbai, something called India 2022, um, that uh, it is now, uh, and it's also sponsored by Royal Dutch Shell and uh, Baker something, a branch of the General Electric oh, okay. that makes uh, windmills and things, yeah. that a gigawatt of electricity produced by renewables is half the price mm-hmm. of a gigawatt of electricity produced by coal. Right. And I think a third the price of electricity produced by oil mm-hmm. or gas because, it, of course, it has to be imported in India. There's no gas and oil that's been found in India, sure. right? So, and yet, the coal lobby in the Indian government, as connected to the Indian government, is very powerful. Sure. There are some millions of coal miners. So, again, you have to have another 100 million to retrain coal miners, who I'm sure, once they had new ways of doing things, they would be happy not to crawl down on there in that dusty getting black lung disease and so forth under the earth. They'd be very happy. And then the bureaucrats who make money running the coal machinery and industry and transport and everything, we have to figure out some other thing for them to do to mainly manufacture... Um, wind power, and solar yeah. panels sure. and India should catch up with China sure. making solar panels. And this other Norwegian group is working with a lot of marvelous young entrepreneurs mm-hmm. in Bengaluru, especially sure. very strong sure. to do all kinds of innovative and new things in this line. Mm-hmm. But there's no big money informing the Indian public of that this is a huge priority. In fact, does climate ever feature in any of Modi's speeches? Does BJP even mention it? It could be sold to them as patriotic because before their big Hindu thing that, you know, the Hindus take care of the nature. You know, for example, we could if we had the money for a media program.
2: He's also busy trying to be prime minister and to, he's busy trying to be prime minister yeah. and feed people and give them jobs. Yes, yes. So that's primary on top of his agenda, you know. so I know, but you yeah. see,
1: it, like, for example, Jay Inslee here in America and Al Gore yeah. and this kind of person. They, there's, a, there's a big team in the economy department in Stanford. And they show that there's six times at the moment more jobs produced in renewable energy I'm in agreement than in, with you. Than in uh, any of these cracking and any horrible stuff that they do.
2: I'm in agreement with you, but I'm just thinking back to the time of the Paris uh, yes. uh, Climate Summit. Yes. And when the, everybody was asked to sign this accord, And Al Gore actually was very instrumental in talking to the Ministry of Environment from India. Oh, good. Because they were reticent. They said, you know, you've got to allow our country to develop. You all have gone ahead and developed and used all the resources and created all the... Um, bad air, and we're having to pay for it now, yes. you have to allow us to yes. at least develop to a certain degree. Yes.
1: Well, then that's true. And yeah. when we get in a proper Mother Earth government in America, yeah. which we're going to do this yeah. coming year, yeah. then one of the things, for example, the military, if not interfered with by a bunch of Neanderthals in the Senate, yeah. James Inhofe being one of the leaders of that, someone called Inhofe, who's from Oklahoma, and he's the employee of the Koch Brother Industries, mm. And big tar sands, and he has prohibited the military mm. for 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 requisitioning any part of their budget on the grounds of they're doing something for climate danger. For example, they just rebuilt um, uh, docking facilities in Virginia Beach mm. mm-hmm. for their big ships. You know, to repair them and paint them and mm-hmm. do stuff, and they they built them ten meters higher, oh. but they couldn't say expecting. Sea level rise. They were not allowed to say that. They had to say it was because blah blah something. Fake, make up something because the senators are blocking that in the appropriation committee for the military. So the point is, we won't have that kind of a thing. And then if you look at the swollen military budget of the U.S. and since some really decent generals and admirals know that the climate change is is a bigger enemy of every nation on earth than any other country, the biggest enemy is the blob of carbon floating around the planet that's going to wreck all the ecosystems of all the countries. That's their enemy. Yeah, It's a common enemy. You know, you often hear that we'd have to have an invasion from outer space for all the United Nations to really unite, right? right? Sure. And not the Russians versus this, the right. Chinese versus that. Right. But we actually have something. This is it. We actually created this it. This is simple. it. Absolutely. This carbon. is it. So take... 100 billion out of an 800 billion dollar military budget and pay the coal industry give the coal industry in india 3 billion of reparation to shift over to renewable all the jobs all the mines and everything and to and get more jobs than before, and make Mr. Modi happy if he happens to still be the Prime Minister, which it looks like he will be for yeah. quite a while. So never mind the Congress yeah. people; we, they don't think he's to whatever. But the point is, he's going to be there. Yeah. And so pay them as a reparation for precisely exploiting their resources and being colonialists and wrecking the planet. That's what they are talking about. That is, I know and they need that, and they should have hundreds yeah. of billions. Yeah. And to do that, and to shift over, and for example. In my Durga of America, one of her, I have a program called Bright Money uh-huh. as the opposite of the dark money of the petroleum industry. Okay. And the Bright Money program is getting some billions from people who have pledged to give it all to Gates uh-huh. and when they die. Because by the time they die, those powerful women who often have it and are not using it to make more business leverage and things, yeah. they have no use for this, like 30, 40, or 20 billion, you know? Uh-huh. So, and they pledged half of it when they die to the gates. But by that time, their children will be climate refugees at yeah. this rate. Yeah. So take a few of those billions and start creating a mass media campaign worldwide mm-hmm. about how this is their common enemy. This is what we must be done. Any old forest must be saved. So two of your weapons, but are there, is there any other weapons in your other arms, store? Yes. What other ones do you have? Durga, by the way, to you Western people, is the mother goddess in a very fierce form. With mo- How many arms does she have, actually? Durga? I've I mean, seen her with six. Six arms. Yeah. So she has weapons in these six arms, and she beats up all kinds of Me Too-era male chauvinist weird demons. <laughs> she beats them all up when other, the other good male gods can't handle them. You know, she does. It's she does. a wonderful, wonderful Indian thing. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> it's the Shekhinah on a rampage with six weapons and six <laughs> arms. Okay? So you should know that's Durga, it's called. Durga means difficult to oppose. Right. Durga, Durgamana, to mm-hmm. hard to go up against. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. So okay. So so what else? So we have, these are the two things. I think the media thing is really important. That's my bright money thing. I want. I want a huge. I want Al Gore to have a huge media platform. Well, this is all... to do the climate reality project internationally. I'm talking in Hindi. Sure. Like in Hindi, if you did a huge environment thing and people realize what's going on, you know, with that, their air and their water. They are gonna demand that whatever government it is that they do that. And 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 I'm not into like Congress versus BJP or whatever. Whichever one is gonna be from Mother Earth and that's the one. Do you know do you remember Buddha? When the statue of Buddha, he's meditating, he has one hand on a meditation like this. But one hand is over his right knee, touching Mother Earth, sure. and actually he's calling on Mother Earth to testify yes. that it's worthwhile to be a Buddha and to help beings, and that there's and she has been witnessing his effort and his his she's providing his curriculum vitae, mm-hmm. meaning multiple lives that he's been helping people, and therefore he has a right to help them as a Buddha, mm. as a teacher. But so Mother Earth is critical.
2: Yeah
1: critical. And she's in very much jeopardy. She's speaking through Greta Thunberg to everyone in the world, actually, and other people.
2: You know. And lots of other people. But yeah, Greta's the big voice now because she's the voice of the young people. She's the young. She's the yeah. future. You yeah. Know. Yeah, you yeah. called her an oracle.
1: What you called her an oracle? To me, she's a cruel oracle, yeah. because if you know the history of shamanism, mm-hmm. you know that where they get their oracles and their he their medicine man or medicine woman is their special sensitive type of person who, when they're a teenager or younger than that, just at puberty, usually around. So she's very early. Yeah. She was yeah. at nine or t- eight yeah. or nine. Yeah. But you know, they kind of fall apart because they see something going wrong in this way their tribe is living. They're not really connecting to the forces of nature and so forth, and they're not really being sustainable. And so then they fall apart, kind of, and they have like a crisis. And then the, uh, the elder medicine woman or man realizes this and gets them, helps them, and they go on a vision quest, and they do this and that. And then eventually they come together and they become, they, they become the medium for the forces of nature. And sure. in shamans, it can be Connected with the tiger, mm-hmm. connected with the bear, connected sure. with the owl, connected with the serpent, connected yeah. with whatever it is, yeah. and uh, and then they become the respected healer of the community. You know? yeah. So that's her. She's uh, she's this small, even a little bit fragile, a little bit damaged body produces this like deep voice of the of the earth itself. Mm-hmm. And people can't resist it in a way, although even though they try to. They, oh, she's this autistic. Oh, I don't have to listen. Oh, she doesn't know about the jobs and the economy. Oh, she's unrealistic. They can say, but the message actually goes right Very in. clear.
2: No, I, I went right to, uh, when she came to New York City. Oh, yeah? And I, she was t- talking down in Battery You saw her Park. personally? Yeah, I, I, went, missed,
1: I tried to find, but
2: I didn't. Yeah, I went there just to see. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I mean many of my daughter left school like all the kids left so that they could go and see her. Good. But most of the people there were the parents of those children. Yes, really. Because they're also taking ownership course. like we have to I hear people saying all the time, oh the younger generation is going to take care of everything.
1: Oh but man. I we
2: have to do it for of them before. Of course we do.
1: They don't vote yet even.
2: And if we, if how much damage are we going to leave for them to fix? There's not going to be anything left.
1: Really, at the absolute point now. You know, if we had started when the oil companies knew about it before the dark money weighed in and created doubt in the public's mind, with huge expense of many billions were spent to deceive people. And actually, I mean, this is a little off the topic, but uh, the we give we still are those corrupt senators are giving the petroleum industry just in America. $20 $20 billion a year of subsidy because they're running out of all the poor things. Mm. It's like depletion allowance. Sure. And $20 billion. So if you then think that their media campaign, their lobbying organization in Washington, and their campaign contributions to corrupt, bribery, afflicted congresspersons and senators, if that costs them 2 or 3000000000 billion, they're already making $17 billion Yeah. And we're paying for it yeah. to deceive us, Right. actually. It's so distorted, you know, it the whole really thing. Is. And if that, those 20 billion right away should be shifted into renewable, developing renewable and helping coal miners and oil people to get new employment and new skills and new jobs. Well, this is and the green... That
2: immediately should happen. This is Green New Deal, yes? What? The Green New yeah, Deal. Yeah, this is
1: Green New Deal. And it's already, you know, the Green New Deal that we heard about from I, Alexandra, yeah. Alexandria, who's my dear buddy, uh, Cortez. I mean, I personally met her only once, but I love her. And uh, she's great. Yeah. Uh, but she just did it as a principal. Sure. But to Jay Inslee, who tried to yes. run for president and then now is going back to run for a third term as governor in Washington State. Yeah, he was wonderful. Because he doesn't have the name recognition sure. to compete yeah. in, the, in the national thing. But his detailed 130-page yeah. Green New Deal online, you can read it right now, jayinslee.com. And it, it uses all the old New Deal agencies in the Interior Department everything. It's really thought out. Mm-hmm. And it works really quickly.
2: Yeah. I, when I first saw him in the debate, I thought, ah, this guy. Absolutely. But he didn't have the pizzazz or no, whatever. Well, but yeah. it, and the name recognition. And the name, yeah. He has, exactly. the,
1: he has the, the, the degree, but he doesn't. But actually, now we have the billionaire Tom Steyer, I who already spent money in on the environment. And he's a bright money type of person. And he says that's going to be his first thing and his thing. But I don't think he can make president alone. But I think he, if he supports my the dream team, all of them, then he could be energy secretary or EPA or something, and he could, he could implement that, I think. If we, have, we need a Mother Earth administration. That's what we need. Right. It, and they can have Republicans join them. There's William Weld. There's a very few non-Trump Republicans. And I think more would come out of the woodwork if they weren't terrorized by McConnell and Trump and rich, dark money people. Yeah. Then uh, they were, there would be some Republicans who would join that. That's yeah. all right. You know, it would become by, by, by parts. Everything will become better, mm-hmm. no question. Yeah. the so called polarization is not going to be fatal if we didn 't make this effort and if we had four more years of this earth destruction going on then we'd, we'd be i mean really we 'd be in bad shape. They say that we have to in the next ten years we have to planetarily we have to diminish carbon level by seven percent a year for ten years yeah. and then we can be back into a more reasonable plane by the two thousand and thirty but if but we are increasing two, three four percent every year instead of that. So we have to go ten percent less backwards, yeah, exactly. For ten years. Yeah. And we have to start this year. Now. So, yeah, now, but well unfortunately not till twenty twenty one because that like, guy will keep going, yeah. you know, unless unless they impeach all of them and Nancy Pelosi becomes president, which would be great. But mm. I don't think because of the Senate we can do that. Yeah. Otherwise actually to do it now, Pence being also guilty of the Ukraine thing, to impeach both of them and then she, the Speaker of the House, is automatically the president. Mm. And she would then work with the Green New Deal and we, would we could do anything. <laughs> but I don't think that can happen because of the Senate. You know? Right, exactly. So, so we won't be able to start really strongly. Although maybe if we show our determination as a people, and if these movements take, get enough make, make enough noise and show that they're serious, you never know, maybe there could be some people start defecting from the dark money movement that has yeah. been wrecking everything since yeah. 1980. Especially, mm-hmm. but even the late 70s. They, they knew completely, the oil company scientists, this was happening in the late 1970s, totally. And then they, instead of going with it and, and making smaller changes then to shift, to over, shift over, they to blocked renewable. the whole thing and yeah. they intensified the carbon production. Half of the carbon production since the 1800s has happened in the last 20, 30 years.
2: This to me is so interesting because it means then that this, the, this, the Intensity with which we've been separated from nature, or or our connectedness with it, has just kind of fallen into a dark hole. Has been the strongest in just in the last few decades or a century or
1: something. Since the Bush, since the since the dark money people stole presidency from Gore. Yeah. Gore was supposed to be an Earth, Mother Earth administration 20 years ago. And they stole it from him. And he did win. And then they stole it from him. And then they did a big oil invasion. And an unspeakable amount of oil, carbon pumped by all the wars and blowing up oil rigs by Saddam Hussein. Unbelievable stuff. And uh, so it's just been really terrible. Anyway, never mind. Let's not dwell on it. We're going to fix it. And back to the tiger I think really also we should not settle for we can only preserve what we have. It shouldn't be increased. It should. But There's if we don't even
2: start there.
1: Yes. Now, let me ask you this. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you one other thing. Now I'm going to interview you again. What about what? how much do Indians really appreciate what's happening in the Himalayas, in Tibet, in relation to their water table? You know, I was invited by the first TED event in India in Mysore at Infosys mm-hmm. Campus. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a beautiful talk Yeah. in 19—like 15 years, maybe—I forget what it was. Maybe 15 years ago. Really, it was excellent. And uh, about the water sources of India, especially North India, being the Himalaya and the glacier melt mm-hmm. and what was going on there. And, but then um, I never got to give the talk because mm. the people who organized it suddenly thought the Chinese would be really upset. Oh, because I, that, that same one, I invited the young Karmapa, and he went and gave a talk there. I was supposed to translate for him, but he didn't need me. He's, he had another translator. And then I was going to give my talk, so two Tibet things. They thought that would really freak out the Chinese. I don't know why. I mm. thought that was in India. Yeah. But uh, So I didn't get to do it. But I, would, I really want to do that in the future. Because Indus, Ganga, mm-hmm. Yamuna, Brahmaputra. They all start from. They there. all come from glacial melt in between, in between monsoons, and if the glaciers are finished in ten to twenty years, and if that's when it will happen, it will not be a hundred years. Mm-hmm. It'll be ten to twenty. Yeah. Then you have drought conditions throughout the residency of hundreds of millions yeah. of people. I'm. I'm con- it isn't. It's it's beyond apocalyptic. It is, but I think that
2: it's too hard for the common person to think about that. Why? It is. Yeah. Because I, I'm, not be saying, I'm, not, I'm not talking about us who have enough money to yeah. feed ourselves. I'm just saying in the last, let's say, 25 years, there's yes. been a huge expansion in the Indian economy. It's opened up to the foreign markets. People now have houses. They can borrow money. They can get gas. They can find fuel. They can get everything that they want that they never could. For so many years. Yes. So they're enjoying the fruits well, I'm, I'm of that. Not taking that away no, no, from I'm them. not saying that you're not I am just saying it's not easy to to talk about something that's so distant. It
1: isn't distant. Right. Did you learn know the floods they had in Patna yeah. and hundreds, like thousands of people killed when the Gangovs freaked out up in Rishikesh, for example, what was that, ten years ago, eight years yeah. ago? I mean, and then there are these glacial breakouts as the glaciers melt too fast and so forth, and they will sweep away. And then, you know, they're building big hydroelectric, for example, in Bhutan, mm-hmm. and then they'll have no water, then what? Well, if it's and hard And to...
2: that's, that's not far distant. It's not. But if we can't convince people in the richest country in the world about these we issues... We're going to. We will. But it's going to take time, is all I'm saying. So no, in India, I it's taking... No,
1: time. Right, right. You know what? It's like, you know, you think there's so-called tipping points. Yeah. And tipping point, suddenly something that was impossible just happens. Yeah. And that does happen like that. Yeah. And bad things also happen like that. But maybe good it may things, be good things, like things like too. And um, actually, you know, Greta Thunberg did a great job and is doing a great job. But, you know, according to some people that I've met since i have gotten getting into the Al Gore Circle thing, the one who's doing the biggest job is Mother Earth. Yeah. This and that hurricane, yeah. these fires. She's the showing, giving us the signs. She, yeah, She's like yeah. dancing madly. Yeah. And that wakes people up. And they, yeah, you have your house and you have your TV and yeah. you have your iPhone and, then, uh, and this yeah. and that and running. And then suddenly there's it's no gone. water. Yeah, And then they have to bring a truck from somewhere far away. Yeah. Chennai had no water. Its whole lake north of Chennai was completely yeah. gone. The yeah. water finished. Yeah. They had to truck it in from somewhere mm-hmm. else. In a big city, yeah. Well,
2: with the, in big cities, we have the same problem here too, Bob.
1: Yeah, but, but nobody's yeah. Actually, actually run out.
2: Not run out, but they have don't
1: mm-hmm. even have clean water to drink in some places. Well, they have it, poison they, water, yeah, in, right. which, they, which then the, the politicians try to hide from them. Correct. But I'm just saying, uh, I just well, so then okay, that you answered my question. You said that they can't really face they it. They can. It's just hard to to. To, well, to
2: change people's minds in that direction, when for the first time they're enjoying certain benefits that they've never had.
1: Well, no, but I, I, I would tell, I would question that. I would ask you to think about it. Durga. Yeah, I would ask you to think about it, in the sense that it is precisely when people, you know, for example, Buddha was in India. Mm-hmm. The great Siddhas were all in India. Mm-hmm. Patanjali was in mm-hmm. India. Panini was in India. Mm-hmm. All these great knowledges happened in India when they were having dark ages in the West. And people think of India as poor. But in fact, so they imagine, oh, they did all these things and they meditated and they did yoga and they invented all that stuff because they were so poor. They had No. They did that because they were rich. I agree. And once you get rich and you realize that being rich does not make you happy, yeah. then you want to turn to yogas and to finding out about how your mind works. That That's was why then. India was so advanced. Yeah, on that. at that time. They were way richer than China, way richer than Persia, way richer than Europe it was totally backward. Right. But you can't disagree that
2: 40 years ago, yes. little less than half the population was living below the poverty line. Oh, yes. Right. In India. No. So Right. So that's what—that's all I'm saying. So yes, in yes, this I recent
1: past, yeah. But that makes them able to be more educated and yeah. more international and yeah. able to understand things. And all those greatly educated Indian people, they're like running all the yeah. Silicon Valley. I mean, <laughs> they're running all the big companies. Right. So those I want to just,
2: what, what I want to just say, and for me, this is the only thing that's worked. And this is yes. uh, When I go out in nature, Yes. I understand the beauty of it. Yes, and I see it as a reflection of yes. us, and yes. it is a ref- and we are a reflection of nature as Absolutely. well. And the only way to really know that we can do mass media campaigns, we can do yes. whatever, is to be in it. Yeah. And sit in nature. Yes. And somebody once mentioned to me uh, a term. It's called drala. Course, what drala? Drala? Yeah, Drala. Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche brought it up, and it's called... Which Rinpoche? Chogyam. Chogyam Trungpa. And he said, Drala is the elemental presence of the world that is available to us through our sense perceptions. Okay. When we are open to nature, Uh we encounter actual wisdom, which is not separate from us. Oh, that's great. That's and nice. My under, so, you know, as much as we try to talk to people yes. and educate them, yes. the easiest way for someone to actually understand the value of nature is yes. to be in it. So yes. this is one of the things I love about the national park system in, yes. in, the, in America, yes. is that it's available for everybody. Yes. And you can go in there and you can walk yes. around and feel sure. what that
1: means to you. That's what we're doing here at Menlo. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
2: And only if we preserve those areas are they there
1: I for totally us agree. to actually even
2: experience.
1: Man lies in the middle of national forest. Yes? Yeah. And there's no neighbors. And uh, did, did I ever tell you the story about the violinist lady? Mm-mm. There was one Korean American lady, very tall, very beautiful, mm-hmm. who came here once when Sharon and I were, Sharon Salter and I were teaching, mm-hmm. and she came to try to meditate because she developed some weird neural thing mm-hmm. where sounds were tormenting her and being a, and she was second violin or in the New York Philharmonic she was a great violinist but she couldn't she had to take a relief from her work and her art and her craft, you know profession and her vocation and she couldn't play her violin or anything because sound would just drive her brain crazy she would feel like she was being tortured and then some brilliant neuros- neurologist sent her to Maryland somewhere and had her put her in an fm uh, some kind of like fmri machine that they use people who are shell shocked Uh and it made it a hundred times worse yeah so she was really a wreck when she got here and she was so much a wreck that she couldn't even listen to me and sharon lecturing quietly Uh and then also leading meditations and we weren't talking really loud you know i'm a little loud sharon's quiet voice although she's a leo too She also has a voice (laughs) but anyway She couldn't even hear that she would leave the class. So then I was very worried, and we were very worried about her. So I made an appointment to meet her, and we were going to talk to her. And um, the next day or something, she was not coming to the classes. So then the next day, she comes, and I'm so worried. And she said, "Oh, don't worry, I'm great. I'm feeling so much better. Really? I said, you didn't come to any class. She said, yeah, I know. But she said, I just had a feeling, and I went down to the stream here. And when I got near the stream, I sort of lay down because I was feeling very worried and freaked out because I couldn't even learn to meditate. And then I could just hear a very faint gurgling of the water mm-hmm. because the water is very low. It was like August or July, we, had, we don't have much water. And the spring doesn't the produce trial. a lot of water mm-hmm. at that time. And there was somehow then that sound became pleasant. Very slight sound of trickling water well, it's not a big rushing stream, but that season. And then suddenly, I heard the sort of wind a little bit rustling in leaves. And so for the last 24 hours, except at nighttime, I've been listening down by the stream to the different sounds in nature. Sure. And I can see the path back to being able to hear. <laughs> and so I'm fine. Don't Please don't worry about me. That's beautiful. And then she did, was able to come to a class yeah. or two. She and then she added some... Mindfulness practice, yeah. but she, but the nature itself got to her when we, with meditation instruction, couldn't reach her, yeah. and that was the nature itself reaching out to her nature itself. I totally agree. that's the wisdom that I yes. think that there. Well, then one about. of your weapons then is you. I remember you told me that you used to organize travel things. I do. So one of your weapons then is to actually take people to the forest in India, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there is a global wellness. Um, Conference that meets once a year in different places around the world. I, I, I never been to one of them because they charge a lot of money, but so I couldn't, I couldn't afford But they, Singapore, Hong Kong, you know, some North uh, Algeria, they've been meeting. I've been getting their materials the last two years since we had Menla. And uh, and they say there's a, there's a multi multi it's a trillion more than trillion dollar industry now globally yeah. which are precisely these industrial era people and who are, who have disposable income who live in cities wanting to go to yeah. some nature place and yeah. do that and so that's that's another weapon in the the travel business in a way, those kind of special kind of eco travel thing. I mean, that's what I did. That's the third one. Yeah, that's But you're not doing that now because of your... Now we're busy. One thing people should know is you are also a fantastic artist. I remember listening to your chanting. You, of course, you often travel with KD, where he's kind of the principal, but you also chant in that. But you also do your own two tours and chantings and concerts you do as well. When I have CDs. To, yeah, when there's time. And you are amazing. And I, I remember I met uh, Nina, Durga Nina. <laughs> I met her in Hawaii, is where I first realized that. And she was chanting in a church. Yeah. And Ram Das was there yeah. in his wheelchair. And when I looked at her, she looked just like, I mean, I never met Ananda Ma, but I've seen pictures and I thought I'm seeing Anandamai. I remember I told you. Thank goodness for good you time. being there. I was so nervous. <laughs> really? I mean, that I was, was one of the first times you did? Well, not
2: if in a big room like that with Ramdas. <laughs> really? I was, I was, that was the really? first time. But I you was, were fantastic. Well, thank you. But oh. And then I got off and then I looked out in the audience at one point and I thought, oh my gosh, not only is Ramdas here, but so is Bob Thurman. How am I going <laughs> to do this? <laughs> and there you were. and, and you, were you tremendous. And there you were. encouraged me a lot, and I'm so grateful that for that. That
1: was really great. Yeah. So yeah. she's also a great artist, you know. But anyway, when when you get your billion dollars, mm-hmm. and we have bright money, then that'll be another, you can revive such a company, you know. And then yeah. and, uh, and we then, you know, in the Yatras that I want to do in the coming mm-hmm. years, now that I'm retired, you know, and I don't have to go on and teach yeah. undergraduates in the class half the year. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I think we'll do some forest ones. Right? Nina, yeah. n- my Nina, really wants to do that. Well, remember we just almost yeah. tried to do it. Yeah. Actually, you know that monastery thing yeah. that I just went to. Yeah. If the if the other group I was working with had been more hip, and if I was able to work without them, which I'm going to do in the future, not mm-hmm. always going to be exclusive with them, um, the um, uh, we could have had a great group there. Yeah. Actually, but mm-hmm. the one thing about the Tibetan monastery is terrible. Is this. Protected area permit routine that is done by the Interior Ministry in India. Oh. That's so awful. You can't. It, it's very hard to get it. Sure. And you submit for it six months ahead. People didn't get them in six to stay months. there. You mean right? No, to just stay. to go and visit. The to yes, just to even not go Just to stay to visit. To I visit. mean uh-huh. to go inside the uh, the, uh, yeah. and if someone goes into the protected area, a six thousand acre place that they have, this particular one I was at, which is Mundgod near mm. the town of Mundgod, yeah. near Hubli. Yeah. Uh, if they catch you going in there without it, they ban your visa from India forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah, I we think don't want Modi will that. change because he wants tourism. But but uh, I have to get I have to get another meeting with Modi and get him to go change that and stop that. You know that was okay when they were just fragile beginning. The now they are big. They have big monasteries and they they're very they're the strongest element in that region in fact and they're doing outreach and helping villages with their water problems sure. around them you know well they're that's the that.
2: other thing any tourism project that's undertaken has to be done very mindfully because yes. i've seen tourism go completely wrong in yes. india as well yes. so we have to be very careful about that so that's that's important
1: So that's great. So are there any, uh, well, you've given us some final charges about the Mother Earth and so forth. Actually, Nina, my Nina, she... um Her father was a nature person, a hunter, of course. Oh Yeah, well, that's how they started. He was a cavalry officer guy. Yeah, yeah. But he was very—he had talked to horses. He was famous as a horseman. Oh, yeah. But he used to take her out in the woods, and then he told her whenever she was upset or things were going wrong, she was disturbed, just go out, sit at the foot of a tree, and just be somewhere. It doesn't have to be some faraway place, but wherever it is. It could be in a park. And just— become alert to what's going on around in nature and it'll calm you down. You'll feel better. That's how it's been for us. We
2: were talking about ashrams this morning when I go back to Kenchi, Kenchi. Um, and when I used to go and see Siddhima Ma, there, you know, she had us wake up in the morning. Our sadhana started early in the morning at four o'clock in the morning. Oh,
1: yeah. well, please tell us more about Siddhima Ma in Rishikesh. Can you tell your your second guru there, right after after Baba? Well, uh, I never
2: I never met Maharaji myself. Oh, I see. So I met Maharaji through Krishnadasa's chanting. Actually, uh, I see, I see. So me I only, too, me too. Yeah, and I was so curious to understand the roots of where that the, of that wellspring like where was he finding that right. love that was coming through his chanting right and i was envious that he had had this guru yeah and he said you don't need a guru in the body and i said you know that's very easy for you to say because you've <laughs> had that already right and i said but i i have to go back to wherever it is and and he told us the stories yes. and so finally in the same way that maharaji told ramdas not to tell anybody where he was. Yes. KD was not encouraging people to go to Kanchi, But after a while, he's like, all right, all right, all right. This is where it is. All right. And when you go, yes, you will meet Siddhima. Yes. She was with Maharaji for 40 years. I see. And the whole time that he was also there with Maharaji, yes. the Ma's, Maharaji was very, um, he was saving the best, (laughs) it seems, (laughs) for later. The Maas were always kept in a very protected area. They were not outside with all the Westerners, but they were watching. And they saw everything that was going on. And if you talk to Krishnadas, he'll also tell you that he used to hear the chanting when? At night, when Maharaji went inside, the Maas would be up. And they would all be sitting and chanting together. And they realized that he was sitting outside. So they would crack the window so that he could listen. (laughs) And Siddhima knows, like she knows all these stories. They could see from behind the window screen what was going on out
1: there. I see.
2: So Ma, then after sh- after Maharaji left the body, was the keeper of the memories, the stories, mm-hmm. the bhav, the devotional nectar, mm-hmm. and she made a place for all the devotees if they chose to to arrive. I see. To keep that space of Maharaji
1: there, I, and Maharaji, she, she did that. You mean she She moved, She, I she, she moved did. Here. They
2: also entrusted her. He also entrusted her with the care of the, whatever temples were set up.
1: I see.
0: But
2: mostly she was in Kanchi. I see. And then she built a temple for Maharaji in Rishikesh okay. after he left the body. I see. I see. Okay. So that was her temple that
1: she right. built. Right. And is
2: that still there now? She isn't. left
1: the body, so now. She left who, the body. Who's taking care of that now? The trust. I see. But I mean, there's there are main, there are people who are, there are in charge of, it. of her, who's the main guru there? There's no guru. Do you go there? There's no guru.
2: There. There's no guru in that so to speak. There's not a formal lineage in there. Oh, way. there is not. No, there never was. I mean, Maharaji entrusted her with the care of the temples. Yes. His simple gesture when he was ready to take Samadhi, yes. he walked, he was leaving Kanchi. he turned around and said to Ma, because one of his practices was writing Ram Nam in a, in a book. Yeah. And he said, okay, now this is going to be your job. And he left the page. I see. Left the book with her, dropped his blanket and walked out of the ashram. I see, I see. So she has that blanket now oh. that she carries with her. It's on the t- puja any time. Well, now, of it's course, she's... It's in Kenji. Yeah, but, but when she was in the body, I still think of her as there. Um, <laughs> I know. She always carried, the blanket always went first. I see. As Maharaji went first, and then she would follow. So now the blanket is, I believe in Kenji. I'm not even sure where it I is see. anymore.
1: But there's no one teacher who's like kind of the really carrying the torch no and does that mean there's less activity there and less people coming
2: well social media has made it such that's not the case because it oh. was revealed that mark zuckerberg went to uh Kenchi and steve jobs went to Kenchi back in the day oh. and so it's now all the indians are going because it's cool <laughs> And then I when Das goes there, like the Indians go. Now when I go there, people write me like, oh, when are you coming to India? We want to come and chant Hanuman Chalisa yeah, yeah, with you. Yeah, okay. So it kind of came from the West to the East, like yes, with teachers yes, yes, like you, yes. uh, from the
1: East to the West. And now it's and going back to, to the, east. the East again. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you, dear. I think we probably reached the time. Oh, yeah. and uh, it's wonderful talking to you. Thank we must you. do it again. Okay, always. And uh, and we're going to save these tigers and save the whole thing. Absolutely.
2: Yes. yes, it depends. It depends. yes.
1: Okay. Thank <laughs> you. I want to add that i to have them cuddling up there together. Yes, sounds good. And have a have a, have a look at this there. I want to have that. <laughs> Thank okay. you. So that's it. That's the podcast. <laughs> See you all later. Next time.
2: Thanks so much for listening. Do join the conversation by leaving your comments on this page and also sharing this podcast. We connect most deeply with our own hearts when we remember we are a part of nature and made of it. With that, we revere and conserve the wisdom that is alive in Mother Nature as lakes, rivers, oceans, mountains, deserts, forests, the skies, the soil, all home and sanctuary to all beings, including us. To find out more about chant recordings and live events, please visit Raochant.com. To find out more about my wilderness conservation efforts for over 20 years, please visit savingwildtigers.org. Thank you again.